Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, I thought I was in the wrong place for a minute there, so that's good. All right. Always good to be in the house of the Lord. Always good to be sharing the word of the Lord. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to share. And, and I noticed that uh, as I was tabbing my Bible, I have two pages of notes, and as I was tabbing my Bible, that's full, and that's not all of them. So uh, to be continued next week. Okay, so let's have a dismissal prayer. No, <laughs> just kidding. We're not going to dismiss yet. We've got to get through some of this. Talking about fasting tonight. And uh, before we start talking about that, uh, just want to share a little story with you. <coughs> it was June of 1923. That was 100 years ago. There was a young man about 22 years of age who worked in a stable. And his name was Frank. And... Oh, how he wanted to be a jockey, but he was 142 pounds, and jockeys had to be 130, and no one would allow him to be a jockey because of his weight, and so he worked as a stable boy and worked as a, partly as a trainer. One day, though, one of the horses that he was grooming, her name was Sweet Kiss. Her rider, her jockey, was sick, didn't show up. And so the owner was frantic, still wanting to race the horse, but having no one to ride. And Frank said, I'll do it. She said, oh, you can't because you're overweight. She says, he said, I'll work on it. And for the next 24 hours, this ties into fasting. Now, it's the wrong way, okay? This is why this is an example of the wrong way. For the next 24 hours, he did not eat or drink, even water, for the next 24 hours. He put on sweats and jogged and sweated it all out so that at the weigh-in, he weighed less than 130 pounds, and he made it. He was so excited. And he told the other jockeys, this is a day that will go down in history. As he rode his horse, jumped on his horse, and the gun went off, all the horses started, and he was a little behind, and the lead horse's name was Gimme, and he was, the, he was picked to win the race. And it was a steeplechase. If you understand what that is, they have to jump barriers, fences, and, and jump over water. And as they began to do these jumps and race, about a course of about two miles with 12 things to jump over. Soon, toward the end of the race, Frank and his horse moved into the lead. At some points, the crowd looked like they, he was leaning over to whisper something into the horse's ear. And the horse just continued to race and race and race until finally the horse won. And then about 100 yards later, the horse came to a stop. As the owner and others went over to congratulate him, he slumped to the ground with his face in the dirt, and it was pronounced dead. The only jockey ever to win a race and die, but he did make history, just as he proclaimed. But... The manner that he did it, the, the fasting that he did, that's the reason I share it, because 
that is totally wrong way to fast. <laughs> You've got to take care of your body. Your body is important. Your body, after all, the scripture says, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And so if our bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost, then we've got to take care of our bodies. And part of that is by fasting and praying. And, I, you know, I wanted to, you know, the Holy Spirit just moved upon me when I knew I was going to be sharing that he moved upon me to, to share about this. Maybe it was for my benefit, but I hope it was for your, your benefit as well. Because fasting is a good thing. I've not fasted in my ministry as much as fa Pastor has because he's, he's had many times when he's fasted almost 40 days or, or 40 days. You know, that, but 41 because you had to make up a day? Okay. <laughs> now, we did participate in a 21-day fast here not too long ago. You know, and those are good. But fasting is a good thing to do. Now, I want to tell you this. Number one thing is this. What fasting is not. It is not to be used for weight control or dieting. <laughs> Even though we just came off this binge of Christmas and Thanksgiving, you know, where most of the world, the people that you work with or live around, you know, they're probably talking about, yeah, I need to go on a diet or I need to start exercising or something like that. Uh, but fasting and praying should be done, here it is, right here, as the Holy Spirit moves upon you. It should not be done religiously. It should not be done just because I say that you should fast. You know, although, you know, as your leaders, you know, when we tell you that you, we want to do something and we want you to do something, we're kind of encouraging you in that manner, okay? Because we want you to be a part of what God is doing. Because as you fast and pray, great things can happen. Uh, I've got a, a book in my library about an evangelist named Gene, Jack Gene Jackson. He started the first assembly over in Sykeston. And uh, while he and his wife were pastoring there, he told her one afternoon, he said, well, I want to tell you something. And the Lord has called me to fast. And I am going to fast. And whatever happens, don't do anything. If I pass out and am comatose on the bed, don't do anything because the Lord has called me to fast. Did, did you know that, that after he went through that time of fasting, he came out of that, he started sealing seeing great miracles and healings in his meetings and eventually resigned the church there at Sykeston and went out back on the road. He had been holding tent meetings for a long time and now he went back out on the road and doing more revivals and tent meetings. There's something about when we take the time to consecrate ourselves to God, he takes notice and he says, I see you, now I am going to minister unto you, I am going to bless you, I am going to move upon you and through you. Because we need him to move through us. Think of the people, you know, we've got a friend that's uh, in the hospital right now. He went into the emergency, when was it yesterday, Stephanie? Yeah, he went, went into the emergency room and they're waiting to place him in a room and they have no room in the, in the hospital. 
because the hospital is full. Well, God move upon us as men and women of God, as we seek God, as we fast and as we pray, that God would move upon us and through us so that as we walk, it would be as Peter walked and as his shadow fell upon people in the book of Acts, they were healed. As we walk by, we lay hands on people, that they're touched. God wants to use us like that. Why should other ministries have all the fun? Amen? We should be a part of that. I want to be a part of that, and I hope that you do as well. Now, I want you to note this about fasting, though. If you're thinking about joining me in this fasting, I want you to start small and keep it simple. <laughs> I'll tell you a little story on, on myself. Back when I was in high school, uh, I don't remember who it was, Pastor, that came through, one of those evangelists uh, that came through. He said, all right, I want to know who's going to be fasting with me for the revival. And, of course, I, I was in it, you know, I said, yeah, I'll fast for the revival. And so I was going to fast the following lunch meal. So I didn't take my lunch. And I, I you know, this some bad mistakes, okay, here, I'm going to tell you. So didn't take my lunch, but I wasn't really setting aside time by myself to pray. I was sitting on the back of the high school dock by back in back of the cafeteria. Big mistake. <laughs> here I was trying to pray and, you know, trying to do the fast. And in my mind, at that point, I had little understanding about fasting anyway. I was thinking more just, okay, if I go without food, you know, and then there's a little bit of praying. But it should be more praying and, and less about the going without food. All right. But anyway, what happened is, as I was sitting there, I got overwhelmed because there was this smell that was coming out of the kitchen. And you know what it was, Bryson? It was pizza day at <laughs> Poplar Bluff High School. I could not handle it. I said, oh, Lord, forgive me. I've, I've got to go. And so I went, went and had pizza. But, you know, use wisdom. Like I said, keep it simple and, and start small. Uh, the best fasts, by the way, are done for breakfast. You know, and, and if you, you've already fasted all night long, that's why they call it break fast or breakfast when you get up in the morning to eat. Uh, so you've already fasted all night long. You've already got maybe eight hours of fasting in. So if you just take a little time to set aside time to read your word and to meditate and to pray, you know, at that point in the morning, just take it one step at a time. Take it one meal at a time. And if you say, well, I, I wanted rather, uh, it works for me to fast lunch. Well, then take lunch then. But, you know, most people in the Middle East, you know, they don't fast uh, all the day. They fast from the night before until 6 o'clock in the evening because that's when it starts their next day. And then they have a great big feast. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, though, that that's not real smart either. Because you've got to be smart about fasting. I had a friend that uh, was fasting, 
and when he was getting ready to break his fast, uh, he went and smelled at knowing if his mama's or his wife's cooking, and they were having fried chicken. And that he could not resist. And in breaking his fast, he went and had fried chicken, and he ate fried chicken, and he ate fried chicken, and he got sick. Because when you're doing a fast, you've got to come off of that fast, especially if you're going in for an extended period of time, you've got to come off of it gradually. And you've got to use wisdom. The best thing to do that I would recommend is if you have some orange juice or any kind of juice, take that, put it half full in a glass of, and put the rest full with water, you know, breaking it down so it's not so strong, and then drink that. Sip it, don't chug it. And start slowly to come off your fast. And then, if you're going to eat something, eat something like eggs, you know, or toast, or crackers, or soups. You know, do something like that to gradually come off. Don't go and eat deep fried foods. You know, French fries and greasy hamburgers and and uh, uh, you know all this stuff at Chins. I love chins, but all this stuff that's been batter dipped and fried is <laughs> not good if you're coming off of a fast. All right? It, it can damage your stomach and make you really sick. Uh, I want to turn to Psalm 109. Here's an interesting scripture about fasting. Psalm 109, verse 24. I didn't put this in there, did I, Philip? Okay, let me read it for you here. Uh, David said, My knees are weak through fasting, and my flesh is feeble from lack of fatness. When you fast, you are going to be a little weak. You are going to be a little unsteady on your feet. So you've got to be aware of that. Be careful. Be careful. Be wise. And also, the other thing is, the next thing is to make sure that it's good for you. Next slide there, Philip. Make sure it's good for you your health, and your relations. So, for instance, if you are a, a diabetic, you've got to be mindful of that. You've got to be mindful that you don't want to mess with your diet so much, you know, you might not be able to do a complete fast, and I'll explain what that is in just a minute, but you might just be able to do a partial fast if you're diabetic to keep your sugar levels where they should be. Amen? Is that, is that hard? I mean, you know, I'm just talking wisdom here. I'm not, uh, that don't sound too spiritual, but, but it's wisdom. That, that we use wisdom in how we work the things of the Lord. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 5 says this. Wow. That's not the right scripture. Oh, my goodness. I've got the wrong mar one marked, but which, what is that? What's the verse? 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Okay, I, mine, okay, I was reading 7, 7. <laughs> Let me tell you something funny on myself. So I worked uh, the other night sitting with a patient, and uh, the 
the daughter came in and said, well, you can go home, you know. I was, I was at Dexter. You can go home. She said, I'll stay the night. And so she dismissed me, which was okay. But I got in the car, and it said 10 o'clock. And this was, this was Sunday night. So clock said 10 o'clock. Oh, my sister Ruth, she lives in California. That's two hours. I want to call and wish her a happy new year because it's 10 o'clock. It's going to be 12 o'clock her time. So I, w- I called her and I wished happy new year. And she said, oh, it's 8 o'clock here. <laughs> we can laugh at ourselves, right? All right, so let's get back to this passage. All right, 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Talking about family relations. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Because one of the things about fasting is that you cease sexual relations with your spouse you know, in order to fast and spend that time with the Lord. So what Paul is saying here is don't deprive your wife or your husband in those situations, you know, fast for a time, then break your fast so that you're not tempted by that not being able to be together in that oneness relationship that the Lord has given you. Amen? That's wisdom. That's Paul giving us wisdom, you know, about it. And um, the other thing is, too, if you're planning to fast, you know, like Brother Jackson did, when he told his wife, I'm going to go on a fast, don't prepare any food for me, saying don't, don't, uh, that's the other thing he said, and I forgot to tell you, he said, don't prepare any food for me until I tell you so, and don't, don't wake me. If, if your spouse is going to be preparing a nice meal for you that is your favorite meal, or if your family is going to be preparing a nice meal for you, you know, you better let them know that you're not, that you're fasting and you're not going to be able, before they go to the difficulty of preparing that makes sense. I mean, that's only nice, John, if you do that. You tell Chelsea that, that you're going to be fasting so that she don't prepare that nice meal for you, right? So we've got to use wisdom. We've got to use wisdom. All right. The next thing I've got here is keep it between you, God, and a spiritual advisor. Well, what are you saying that for? What about what Jesus said back in Matthew? Well, I'll read it for you here. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head with, and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So he doesn't say anything about telling a spiritual advisor. I understand that. But when I, the reason I added that in there, because you don't need to be fasting and being a lone ranger. You need to have somebody to be accountable to. There, you know, we could go into history and find people like Frank Hayes, that I read to, the, to you earlier, the jockey who was doing this extreme fast, you know, and was not accountable to anybody but himself. And you need to be accountable to someone. You tell them, hey, I just want you to know I'm fasting right now. And, and here's part of the reason. 
second day of a fast, your body's going to be really hungry. The third day of the fast and the fourth day of the fast, I'm talking about if you're going on an extended fast. Starting on the third and the fourth day, you're not going to be wanting to eat. Your body is going to be releasing endorphins so that your body doesn't want to eat. You know, we, we tell our, our families this in, in hospice care that, you know, they say, well, it's so sad that these that they're not eating. You know, let's give them something to eat. And we have to tell them, hey, it's okay. God made their body so that it will release endorphins. They don't feel hungry, you know, after so many days, so it's okay. But how does that relate to fasting? Because you don't want... We want you to be spiritual and seeking God. We want you to fast. But we don't want you to be a casualty because you're a lone ranger and not telling anybody that you're fasting. And all of a sudden we get a call and somebody says, oh, do you know Brother So-and-so? Yeah, he's in the hospital. Why? Oh, he's been fasting for two weeks and, you know, uh, he's not eating and he doesn't want to eat and he's just passed out. Hello? Is that good wisdom? I think it is. It's good to tell somebody what you're doing. If you're married, it's good to tell your spouse. If you're not married, tell someone that you trust. You're not bragging about it. Jesus is talking about people that brag about it, you know, people that put on. And the other thing he he talks about here is anointing yourself with oil and washing your face. Hey, take a shower. (laughs) If you're going to fast, it doesn't mean you can't take a bath, take a shower. Put on deodorant, put on perfume, brush your teeth for crying out loud. Amen? Even though you may not be eating a meal, you still need to brush your teeth, especially then because you you can't imagine the gunk and the smell that's going to come out of your mouth if you're not eating. I mean, it's going to happen. All right, so brush your teeth. Take care of your body and take care of your relationships with other people. Uh, Fasting should be coupled together, though, with prayer and meditation. In Acts chapter 13, the apostles, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. They started fasting and prayer and praying, and they heard from the Lord, and then they fasted and prayed some more. So Pastor Kevin has already thrown it out to us that he wants us to pray while he's gone on this trip. So how about if we take time and designate times of fasting and praying for his trip and see what God does. And just like he said, fast and pray for Pastor Zach and see what God does on Sunday. Amen. Amen. There's no limit to what God can do. We are the ones that limit God. But God is unlimited. He is abounding in wonders and glory. And He can do anything if we will open our hearts and our lives to do it. To be His instrument. You're not His tool. Tools are used and banged around and thrown into the dust and and discarded. You're His instrument, which He's taking care of and and He polishes you up and He blows through you with His Holy Spirit so you make a beautiful sound. You are His instrument for the beauty of His grace. And so 
The other thing that happens as we fast is that things of the world start losing their draw for us. And I, I'm going to jump down to, to St. Augustine. Philip, if you can jump down to there. Because here's what St. Augustine says. Fasting cleanses the soul, raises the mind, subjects one's spirit, one's flesh to the spirit, makes the heart contrite and humble, scatters the clouds of concupiscence, and that's sexual lust, quenches the fire of lust, and kindles the true light of chastity. That's what fasting does. That's St. Augustine said that. He was one of the church fathers. And so that's the part of the benefits of fasting. It takes us, you know, we talk sometimes about going to another level. Fasting takes us to another level in the Lord. It helps us to break through some of those areas that we might be struggling with right now. Fasting, because we are taking aside, setting aside ourselves and we're saying, Lord, we cannot do this on our own. We need your help. And he will help. Praise God. All right. Now, Jenison Franklin said that there are three types of fast in the Bible. The absolute fast. Now we go back, Philip, if you can. The absolute fast, which is no food or no water. Wow. That's pretty rough. Anybody ever done that? Yep. Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. I think he did without water as well. I don't know how he did that because, you know, they tell us that, what, three days, Philip, is that what we could use a body without water? Pretty much, yeah, three days. Wow. But he went 40 days and 40 nights. Wow. Not the only one, though. Moses, Exodus chapter 24, verse 18. So Moses went up into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Didn't say he took a lunch with him. He didn't have a cow's stomach was full of water, I don't think either. I think he just went up there to be with the Lord. And the Lord sustained him. It, the, the crazy thing is, he came down, and then they had the golden calf incident, and he tore that up, and, and he, he, oh, he had broken the tablets when he, got, you know, when he saw what the Israelites were doing. And so he had to go up into the mountain again to get tablets. And he was another 40 days and 40 nights fasting. Wow! He was there in the presence of God. I think that's the only way that he could have done it. But that's amazing. I can't wait to get to heaven and ask him, Moses, how did you do that? <laughs> you, went, you went 40 days and you came back down, had a little bit, and then you went back up for 40 more days? How in the world did you do that, Moses? All right. And Elijah was another one. Elijah, in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, so Elijah arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food days, 40 days and 40 nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God, where he heard from God again. Wow. Elijah fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights. Again, if you are being called to that fast, if you think that you are, please let someone know. 
please let someone know. Because I have heard stories of people that get to that point where, again, they don't want any food. And, you know, we don't want you to be that way. We want you to seek the Lord, yes, but be wise. All right. The normal fast, which is no food for certain hours or days, and you have water, broth, and juices. Water, broth, and juices. If, especially if you have problems with, with blood sugar or if you have medicines that you're taking, that's especially a good way to fast by using that example, that, that what we call a normal fast. And then the other one, the next one, is the partial fast, which is the Daniel fast, and, and hopefully get into that a little bit more next week. But no sweets or meats, only veggies and water. Daniel ate pulse, which is vegetables, instead of the king's meat and the king's wine. And he drank water. So those are some types of fast. And again, you have to wait before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to fast? Now, you know, and you might want to start with the question, Lord, do you want me to fast? And then the next question would be, how do you want me to fast? And then follow Holy Spirit's leading, Holy Spirit's guidance. Now, I wanted to share with you some false fasts, because there are some examples of false fasts in the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 21, Jezebel, she's going to call a fast. What do you think about that? If Jezebel calls a fast, is that going to be a good thing, Dave? <laughs> the thing is, so here's the is, uh, you know, a little background. Uh, Ahab saw Naboth with a vineyard, and he said, it was right, it's right next to my property. Come on, I'll give you a better property if you'll just let me have your vineyard. And Naboth said, no, this is my family inheritance. I'm going to pass it on to my family, my kids, you know, and it's a, in a, or to my uh, brother's kids. You know, it's going to stay in my family. And so he, he went to Jezebel and he cried, Oh, Naboth won't give me his vineyard. And so Jezebel said, he wrote in a letter saying, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people and seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him that he may die. So the men of his city, the elders and nobles who were in the inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent to them, as it was written to the letters which she had sent to them. They proclaimed a fast, seated Naboth with high honor among the people. And the two men, the scoundrels, it reads the next verse, did that. That's not a fast that honors God. All right? The world may come up with things that they want you to do that are similar to a fast, but that doesn't make it right. You know, the true fast is, is we're going to get to in a little bit, what God wants us to do in a true fast. But that's not a good fast when there is deception and lying involved in it. Jeremiah 14, verses 10 through 12, God says about the people of Israel, and see if this rings with us as far as what we should not do as far as a fast. Here's what it says. Thus they have loved to wander, 
Thus says the Lord to this people, Thus they have loved to wander, and they have not restrained their feet. Therefore the Lord does not accept them. He will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. Then the Lord said to me, Do not pray for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. What's he saying? If we have sin in our hearts, no matter if we say religiously we're going to proclaim a fast, for instance, if we're going to do a fast before Easter, we're going to fast during Lent. If, if there's sin in our hearts, God's not going to accept it. And so that's, that's not the kind of fast that God wants. He wants a fast that is true and righteous. Then the next example is found in the book of Luke. Verse eight, chapter 18, verse 12, here we have the Pharisee. Remember that story, the Pharisee and the publican? And the Pharisee says, oh, I fast twice a week. I give tithe of all that I possess. He's bragging before God. You know, and that's not the kind of fast that God wants. God doesn't want us to be proud of our fasting. You know, he wants us to be humble and seek him uh, you know, as we fast and seek the Lord. Jeremiah, uh, the next example, 36, 6, and 9. Jeremiah is telling Barak, his assistant, You go, therefore, and read from the scroll which you have written at, at my instruction, the words of the Lord, in the hearing of the people and in the Lord's house on the day of fasting. It was a day that they had set aside for fasting. Barak comes in with a true word of the Lord. And you shall also read them in the hearing of all Judah who come from their cities. Verse 9, Now it came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month that they proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem and to all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem. And what happened is they read the, this word of the Lord from Jeremiah. And it was in a scroll. And they read it to the king. You know what the king did? He was sitting in front of a fire because it was chilly out. And every time they would read something, he would take his knife and cut it and take it and throw it in the fire. Until he was they were, they were done reading, he had thrown all of the warnings of God into the fire. He did not honor, you know, even though he called a fast, he did not honor the true word of the Lord that was a call to repentance for the people of Israel. And so as we fast, we've got to honor the word of the Lord. We've got to seek the Lord and call upon him. Amen. I'm just going to give you a few more because I need to get to some positive things before we close here tonight. And the, the, what I want to talk about next is the repentant fast. The repentant fast. Because I think that's where we've got to start. That's where we've got to start. And we can, we can look at Daniel, for instance, as an example, and, and I'm going to get to that next week, his, his prayer. But in Daniel's prayer, as he's fasting, do you think Daniel's a righteous man? First of all, let me ask you a question. Does, is Daniel a righteous man? Hello? Well, of course. But in the middle of his prayer, Daniel says, God forgive us of our sins. He identifies with the people and he says, God, we have sinned. Look at our nation for a moment. We've 
overturned Roe versus Wade, but there's still problems on the state levels in many places. There's still problems. We think that there's uh, iniquity and unrighteousness in Washington, D.C. I talked to somebody that ran for office uh, recently in the state of Missouri, and they said, it's not just in the White House. It's in the state of Missouri, too. There's wickedness and unrighteousness. So, Lord, as we fast and pray, we repent of all of these wicked people that are trying to bring these wicked things upon us. We repent. We repent, Lord, that they we have even allowed this to happen. Why, why are we saying we, can, we have allowed it? Because as believers... Do we not have authority to stand up and to say, thus says the Lord, and to make a, make a stand in the marketplace or wherever we are and say, this is the truth. This is the one true God. Worship him. Amen. 1 Samuel 7, 6. All Israel gathered together at Mizpah. They drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. So Israelites repented. What was the situation? They were being attacked by the Philistines. There was trouble on the horizon. So they realized they needed to repent. And when they did... God brought a great victory that day. I think that's the incident where uh, hailstones came down and killed more of the Philistines than it did of that the, than the Israelites did, because God brought a great victory. Have you ever watched a movie and seen in that movie where everybody was just mesmerized by something? And you know, sometimes they do that on cartoons, especially. Everybody just mesmerized, their mind controlled, and then all of a sudden. Some person is destroyed that's controlling them, and everybody come back to normal and say, whoa, how about that? Don't you think God can do that? Amen. Amen. God can do that. God can put people in their right minds. He can change. Did he change your heart? Did he change your mind? Did he change your life and your lifestyle? He can do it again. Amen. All that we've got to do is to come together and say, God, we repent of our world and what is happening in our world. We want you to move mightily. Amen. The people of Nineveh, another great example. Jonah went, you know, he, was, he, he wasn't even a, a, I don't think he was a very convincing preacher. He, because he didn't want to go, first of all, until after he had been swallowed up by the whale, and then all the gastric juices, you know, kind of matted his hair and bleached his skin, you know, and when he walked into Nineveh, that's what he looked like, and he smelled also like a fish, and uh, the Ninevites <laughs> worshipped Nisroch, the fish god, and, and uh, when they saw Jonah and he had this message, uh, repent, or in 40 days, God's going to tear this place down. They said, whoa. He wants to destroy us. He stinks, and he wants to destroy us. And he's an Israelite, 
and we hate Israelites. But we're going to repent because we don't want to be destroyed. And God gave Nineveh, the Assyrians, a hundred more years because they repented. Which brings me to another point that I want to mention here. Every generation, listen to me now. And Bryson, I'm so glad that, that you and John are just the, the embers in this revival of this generation. Because, you know, every generation needs a revival. Every generation. And that's what happened in Nineveh. They had a revival. It says there in chapter 3 of Jonah, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. They repented. They repented. But then a hundred years later, their children and grandchildren went right back to the same ungodliness that they had been living in, and it caused them to be destroyed. But if there's repentance, and, and I love America. I was born here, and I've, I've been overseas, and every time I come back home, I say, oh, thank God for America. I love America, but listen to me. We are not immune from God's judgment. If we as a nation do not have revival, we will be judged. I, I think that that's scriptural. So we've got to, as a people, start the revival somewhere, start the move of God somewhere, start reaching out to God so that He can move through us to reach other people so that change can happen, so that lives are redeemed, so that the country is all of a sudden waking up. And you know what happened when some of the great revivals, the great awakenings they, that happened at the end of the, before the Revolutionary War and before the Civil War. There were Great Awakenings, Great Awakening One, Great Awakening Two. There was such great revival that the bars closed. Nobody would give them any business, and so they had to close. People would be crying in the streets. Preachers would go into the community, and people would immediately go to the altars and repent. Why? Because a move of the Holy Spirit of God and no move of God has ever happened unless it's been preceded by prayer and fasting of God's people. Oh, praise God. I feel that. I hope you feel it. Because I think God's stirring us to do something and to get going with Him and to really see a great move of God. Last verse, Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent? And leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly. Amen. All Israel was called to repent and fast. God was calling them through his prophet. And I feel that God is calling us. Would you stand with me right now?
We lift our hearts up to you, O Lord, our God and King. We do not know the direction that you are going to have each individual of us go, Lord, but we do feel a stirring that you want us, to, Lord, to repent and to call to a fast to ourselves, Lord, and to call upon your name. And Lord, you want to do ourselves up, O God, to fast and pray however you lead us, Lord, so that great and mighty things can be done for your kingdom, so that this generation can be saved, Lord. This generation can be redeemed. And this generation will not glorify in drugs and alcohol and lewd living, Lord, but this generation will be changed and redeemed and drawn into the kingdom of God. Great revival will go forth, Lord, for your glory and for your namesake. Lord, we bless each one now to go from this place, Lord, and find that place of private time with you, Lord, where they can call upon you and say, Oh, God, what would you have me to do, oh, God? What would you have me to do? And put it on their hearts. Give them direction and guidance, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.